We are very privileged today to have our speaker, Elizabeth, also known as Beth Kampa. She is from presently living in New Orleans and has been for a while. She graduated uh, undergraduate New York University and uh, graduated from Yale Law School in 2011. She has worked, uh, it's a very interesting places, just to name a few, uh, the Human Rights Watch in Buenos Aires, Argentina, the Southern Center for Human Rights in Atlanta, and she now works for the Promise of Justice Initiative in New Orleans. She has also uh, published an article in a law review article, uh, Litigating Civil Rights on Death Row, a Louisiana Perspective. Would you please welcome Beth Kampa. Good morning. Thank you to Lori and Barbara for inviting me to join this morning's service. It's an honor to be here with you all, and uh, the, the feeling of love in this church is so palpable, and it's really just a joy to, to share it with all of you. As Lori said, my name is Beth Kampa, and I'm an attorney with the Promise of Justice Initiative, a nonprofit law office based in New Orleans. I'm also with the Louisiana Coalition for Alternatives to the Death Penalty, which is a statewide organization made up of community leaders and members who are concerned about the administration of the death penalty in this state and our prison system more broadly. We want to draw attention to the alternative areas where we could be sending our resources, such as early childhood education, mental health care, solving cold cases, providing financial support for murder victims' families as well as exonerees, and crime prevention strategies at the local level. I would like to speak a bit about our criminal justice system this morning. I'll discuss our responses to punishment as a nation and a state and discuss the death penalty here in Caddo Parish. I'll talk about what positive change could look like. But to start, uh, I'd like to discuss incarceration in general and particularly crime and punishment in the United States. I want to share a handful of quotes from a lawyer named Brian Stevenson who runs the Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama. He's a remarkable and inspiring person and I encourage you to look up his TED Talk online if you're interested. Mr. Stevenson says, quote, we have a system of justice in this country that treats you much better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent. The United States has the highest incarceration level in the world, higher than China, Iran, or anywhere else. Although the U.S. has 5% of the world's population, we're home to a full quarter, 25% of the world's prisoners. But there's very little evidence that longer sentences actually do anything to reduce recidivism or to reduce crime. Social science research shows that the death penalty is not an effective deterrent to violent crime. Through research, we're learning much better ways to interrupt and break the cycle of crime in prison that also cost less. Incarceration on the scale we see, especially in Louisiana, but across the country, is detrimental to community safety rather than necessary to secure it. There are spillover effects of incarceration. There's a profound toll on children, families, and communities. Children with incarcerated parents show worse outcomes with respect to depression and aggression. These children are more likely to receive public assistance, face material hardship, and experience residential instability, in part because families lose wage earners. Harmful conditions inside of prisons also have an impact on public safety and public health. 
Together, these social and familial circumstances have the terrible effect of creating a so-called intergenerational transmission of crime. Some states have already begun to identify the poor return on investment and detrimental social effects of some of the present policies and have undertaken criminal justice reforms in search of a more effective and thoughtful approach. States like Texas, Georgia, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Turning now to Louisiana. Louisiana has the highest incarceration rate of any state, and since the U.S. has the highest rate in the world, Louisiana is the world's prison capital. And I'm going to just deliver some numbers. One in 86 adults in Louisiana is in prison, which is double the national average. If you count both prison and jail, the rate is one in 55 adults. And if you count people on probation or parole, the rate is one in 26. There are 40,000 people in Louisiana prisons at a cost of $663 million a year. We also have among the lengthiest and harshest sentences in this state. At Angola, the Louisiana State Penitentiary, the average sentence is 90 years. As Louisiana's prison population has grown, its homicide and violent crime rates remain among the nation's highest. This simple, tragic fact urges us to rethink our approach to addressing crime. Louisiana's incarceration problem is also a racial justice problem. More than 70% of prisoners in Louisiana are African-American, even though African-Americans make up just 32% of the state's population. Some 80% of Louisiana prisoners have some sort of addiction or mental health condition. These issues require treatment and appropriate medical care rather than shuffling people to a correctional setting that is not equipped to meet their needs. About 68% of Louisiana inmates are locked up for nonviolent offenses, which is far higher than the national average. One in four inmates in Louisiana is incarcerated for a drug offense. Although drug use nationally is roughly consistent among white and black individuals, black citizens are significantly overrepresented for drug arrests. This translates into more black citizens, and particularly young black men, being arrested, taken away from their communities, and coming home with felon status that make obtaining employment and voting incredibly difficult. Challenges like drug addiction, mental illness, learning disability, Indigency and lack of education and exposure to serious abuse and neglect in childhood play a role in people going to prison, but too often the prisons are not equipped to meet people's needs. Now to turn to the death penalty. Again, I'll quote Brian Stevenson, the lawyer in Alabama. He says, quote, In many ways, we've been taught to think that the real question is, do people deserve to die for the crimes they've committed? And that's a very sensible question. But there's another way of thinking about where we are. The other way of thinking about it is not, do people deserve to die for the crimes they commit, but do we deserve to kill? The administration of the death penalty is a special problem that Caddo Parish illustrates in several troubling ways. Caddo is an outlier. Caddo leads the state in seeking and securing death sentences and is in the top counties per capita in the nation in seeking death. The parish encompasses 6% of the state's population, but is responsible for nearly a third of Louisiana's death sentences since 2004. Between 2010 and 2013, Caddo handed down a full half of the death verdicts in Louisiana. In the last several years, the Caddo District Attorney's Office has taken more death penalty cases to trial than any other jurisdiction in the state, including New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Race plays a role in Caddo's use of the death penalty. 
A 2011 study of 1,100 homicides in Caddo Parish over a 20-year period revealed that there was a less than 1 in 10,000 chance that cases prosecuted for the death penalty were not influenced by the race of the victim and defendant. In fact, cases involving black suspects and white victims constituted only 8% of all murders, yet resulted in almost 50% of cases charged capitally by the Caddo DA's office in that period. Uh, so one could argue that the reason so many black men are being sentenced to death for killing white victims is because black-on-white murders are the most frequently occurring racial combination in Caddo. But in fact, about 80% of murders involve black-on-black killings. And again, it's only 8% of murders that involve black-on-white killings. Why is it then that almost 50% of the cases that go to trial as first-degree murder cases are those involving black-on-white murders? It's actually a matter of prosecutorial decision-making the way the DA chooses to charge the cases. DAs consider available resources, the demographics of the jury pool, and all too often political factors, including racial ones, in choosing how to charge. This can render the use of the death penalty arbitrary and capricious, as they say in the courts. Another feature of capital punishment in Caddo Parish is the district attorney's strategy of invoking religion to encourage a death sentence. First Assistant DA Dale Cox cites scripture to argue that Jesus Christ said to to kill anyone who harms a child. He used this argument in securing a death sentence last year for Rodriguez Crawford, who was convicted of killing his young son. Mr. Cox added, quote, I am sorry Louisiana has adopted lethal injection as the form of implementing the death penalty. Mr. Crawford deserves as much physical suffering as it is humanly possible to endure before he dies. It is tragic that this child died, and as a community, we should grieve for the loss. But I submit to you that we should not rush to judgment against Mr. Crawford, whose family has stated that he took care of his son and had never been known to do anything that would hurt him. And I submit that we should certainly not wish horrible suffering on Mr. Crawford. We can't know for certain exactly what happened, but we do know that Mr. Crawford will go through years of appeals, likely totaling hundreds of thousands of dollars in arguing to save his life, just so that he can live out his days in prison. We might wonder what those hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of time might be able to accomplish here in Caddo Parish for young working parents like Mr. Crawford and young children like his son. The precise cost of the death penalty in Louisiana is not known. The state state legislature decided this year to undertake a cost study to evaluate the expenses involved in pursuing an execution. The committee made up of lawmakers and other policy professionals started meeting last month. Some state officials have suggested that the cost of pursuing the death penalty in a murder case amounts to 20 times the cost of pursuing a life without parole sentence for second-degree murder. The results of the current study will allow legislative debates about administering capital punishment to rest on more concrete information. We have to decide democratically whether the death penalty is worth the cost. Even among people who support the death penalty, there might be disagreement about where the line should be drawn, what cost is too much. But in order to have that conversation, we have to know what the cost is. This will hopefully be a helpful first step in a more substantive statewide civic conversation. You may have also heard about the nationwide shortage of lethal injection drugs and the resulting scramble of several states to come up with new ways to kill the condemned. In Ohio, Oklahoma, and Arizona, we've seen botched executions this year. Here in Louisiana, there was even a proposal to bring back the electric chair, but that effort was withdrawn. There's one additional point we need to consider when we talk about the death penalty, innocence. You may know that about seven months ago, Glenn Ford of Shreveport was released from death row after 30 years. 
Mr. Ford lost three decades of his life on a false conviction. The evidence against him was flimsy, in some instances outright false, and his defense attorneys at trial had no experience with criminal cases and were simply chosen from an alphabetical list of local lawyers. An all-white jury convicted him. As writer Andrew Cohen put it, quote, any exoneration is remarkable, of course. Any act of justice after decades of injustice is laudable. It is never too late to put right a wrong. But what is also striking about this case is how weak it always was, how frequently Ford's constitutional rights were denied, and yet how determined Louisiana's judges were over decades to defend an indefensible result. There was another legislative proposal this year to truncate capital appeals and speed up execution. But the terms of this proposal were such that of the 10 men released from death row in Louisiana since the early 1990s, and you may know that Louisiana has had more exonerations than executions in recent years, all but one of those 10 men would have been executed under the terms of this law. This kind of reckless and irresponsible approach to cost savings should give pause to all of us. But we can do better. One final quote from Brian Stevenson. He says, for poor communities and disadvantaged communities, the opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty is justice, the dignity of every person. As we seek ways to reduce the prison population, we must also look for new and innovative ways to interrupt cycles of crime and build stronger and safer communities. There are evidence-based practices we can turn to, alternatives to incarceration, sentence reductions, reducing parole revocation, better use of probation services, in all, we need human capital investments. More broadly, we need to channel resources to parent and child care support, school improvements, recreational programs, better job centers, and mentoring, and public health. These are mechanisms that can actually help reduce crime rates. These policies are not soft on crime. Acknowledging an offender as a human being is not the same as excusing his crime. Especially with respect to the death penalty, support for victims' loved ones in the form of mental health care, financial sustenance, and moral and spiritual support can assist people in coping with their new reality in a way that pursuing vengeance leaves lacking. Ending the death penalty in Louisiana would help free up resources that are otherwise tied up in pursuit of state-sanctioned death and instead help to fund the evidence-based practices that can help reduce crime. These policies are common sense. They're increasingly being put into practice in other places, and they offer a roadmap for Louisiana of how to relieve ourselves of the shameful burden of having the world's highest incarceration rate, while bolstering public safety and maintaining a core commitment to fairness. It's inescapable that financial incentives drive our incarceration rate. Part of our $663 million prison budget goes to a $182 million for-profit prison industry, and there are vested interests in maintaining the status quo. We have to have the courage and the will to overcome these. I invite you all to imagine the community we could bring into being, one where those less fortunate still feel supported, where those with mental health needs are able to have their needs met, and where we invest in the promise of our children's future. I encourage you to organize educational events around this topic and to write letters to the editor, especially about Caddo's outlier status and the troubling use of religion as a justification for seeking to kill people. The Louisiana Coalition for Alternatives to the Death Penalty is happy to support such efforts. I'm here this morning to share these thoughts more than to pitch uh, the organization, but if anyone is interested in becoming a member of the Louisiana Coalition for Alternatives to the Death Penalty, I will be happy to sign you up, and I'll be in the lobby after the service with a couple of fact sheets.
Thank you so much for your time.